Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. We had an absolute blast in Kansas City with Canty on Thursday and Friday night with uh, Ian Fitzsimmons. I mean, Ian Fitzsimmons knows everybody. It's yes, amazing. he does. He yes, really he does. knows Everybody and yeah. he did like I don't know if he liked the nickname or not, but I'm, I start calling him the mayor of college football because that's what he is. He absolutely knows everybody. Um, at Mike Tannenbaum was awesome. Jordan Reed was fantastic. You were great. It was a lot of fun the last few days. We had a good time. And the one thing, Canty, is I I didn't eat any barbecue or even a steak in Kansas City. Not one. That was the most disappointing part of the entire weekend for me because I'm sitting here thinking about where we're going to go out to dinner and all of these different places. First of all, you big-time me on Wednesday when we got into Kansas City because I asked you, did you want to go to dinner? And you said, well, no, I've already made plans. Best I can do is meet you at the bar before or after. And so we had a couple of drinks beforehand. Now, thankfully, one of my former teammates was actually in the lobby and he works for the NFL League office. We had drinks and made an evening of it. But you're big-timey. But here's the thing. I thought that we would have a chance Thursday or Friday to grab lunch, grab a bite, but through no fault of either one of us, it's just not that kind of event just because of all the work we have to put in in the hours leading up to the actual broadcast. So, yeah, I'm disappointed, too. I wanted a, a Kansas City strip steak, and I wanted to have some Kansas City barbecue, and I had to settle for the food that they had in the suite for the press on Radio Row, I, I was that was probably the the biggest disappointment of the entire draft weekend was not being able to get some of the good eats out from the good folks in Kansas City. Uh, okay, well here's where the miscommunication is. All right, I, I, I did not big time you. You did big. No, time I didn't. You. I got the text message. You got. You said you had other plans. A I said, friend hey, of mine that I worked with for a long time and I have not seen him forever had texted me two days earlier. Want to have dinner on on Wednesday night? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. But then you text me Wednesday, you know, like Wednesday afternoon at like five thirty. Hey, let's get some dinner. And I'm like, what am I gonna do? Well, it's not like you didn't know I was coming to Kansas City. I did, but I I'm, thought we'd I'm get doing the broadcast with you. And then I asked you later, hey, we'll you get some lunch tomorrow. Nah. What do you, nah. What do you mean, nah? Did, did, did you, what part of I had 110 prospects that I had to rank on my draft board did you miss? What part of that did you miss? I showed you the whole damn Excel spreadsheet of all of these prospects outlined by position group. And you saw the rankings, you saw all the draft notes, you saw strengths and weaknesses, all of these different things. How the hell do I have time to do lunch with you on Thursday or Friday? I didn't, which is why I reached out as soon as I landed, by the way, in Kansas City and said, hey, bud, let's pick a place and grab some dinner. Now, here's the other part. You made plans with your friend who you hadn't seen in ages. That's all well and good. Mm. What's to stop you from allowing me to tag along and join you guys for dinner? That's I mean, fair where point. You, I mean, I could, I would have came. I'm a good wingman. I talk for a living on the radio. You don't think I can make some small talk over a strip steak in Kansas City? Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, I had to go and complain about you to somebody. <sighs> 
You see, you see, you're a bad guy. And I'm glad that America is finally seeing that you are the bad guy in this relationship. Uh, no, listen. You are. We, uh, what, you are. what we will do, uh, I, I, I feel bad. I should be canonized for, for tolerating you four hours every single day of every single week. I should be a saint. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, listen, I'd argue with that if I could. I wouldn't want to spend time with me. Yeah. And I spend time with me all the time. Yeah. I'm not really, I, I'm not a peach by any stretch. No. Can't be Carlin, ESPN Radio. At least you're paid to do it. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. By Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. This from Nick's PR within the last few minutes, Canty. Jalen Brunson with a sore right ankle. Julius Randle, uh, who we knew about game one, with the sprained left ankle, questionable for game two of the Knicks series. Okay, I'd be shocked if Jalen Brunson didn't play. I agree. Would not surprise me if Julius Randle sat out game two. I also agree. Yeah. I also I, agree. I, I, I just, in terms of the flow of the offense, uh, the pace that the team plays with, they just seem more tied together with Randle off the court. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that the Knicks are better off without Julius Randle. Because I do believe fully healthy, he can be a difference maker. I mean, he played at a near all-NBA level this year, and he has been all-NBA in the past. So you want to have those guys on the court at the most important time of the season. But it's got to be Jalen Brunson's team, and it just seems like they played better. They're they're more tied together when when Julius Randle hasn't been on the court. And, I mean, that was evident in the Cavs series. Um, So I just – it'll be interesting to see how Tibbs handles Julius Randle moving forward and – you know, what becomes the right game, the right time to reintroduce him into the starting lineup. Curious to see how that all works out. You know, I heard Monica say this earlier today that she felt like Julius Randle was as important to the Knicks as Jimmy Butler is to the Heat. And I, I can't In say what that. world? I, I can't In say In what that. world? <laughs> I, 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 I want to be, maybe I'm paraphrasing here and not accurately portraying it, but it basically yeah. was along those lines. And I don't agree with that in the least. I don't feel like Julius Randle's presence is going to be the biggest difference in this series. If you told me Jalen Brunson was out of this series, I would give the Knicks less than a 50% chance to win. And the only reason I I, I don't think they're going to have any trouble at, in the end in this series is that I just think the Miami Heat are inferior, and at some point that's going to show itself. I, I really believe that. I... I know about Butler. I we've seen unbelievable performances. Maybe I shouldn't bet against him, even banged up as he is. Uh, I thought Jalen Rose made a great point mm. after the game yesterday, and that was put Jimmy Butler on a plane and send him back to Miami. We'll see you Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and not that Jimmy Butler would ever do that, but I, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. You've already stolen home court from the Knicks. Yeah, but organizational pride won't let Jimmy Butler sit down, and, and and the Heat won't force Jimmy Butler to sit out if he wants to be on the court, nor will they force Kyle Lowry to sit down or anybody else that needs to be managed at this stage in their career. That's just not the culture within that building. So I, I, I think that could be in the best interest of the Heat long-term in this series, but I know they won't do it. That being said, you're right about one thing. I do expect the Knicks to win this series because I don't expect that we're going to get the same version of Kyle Lowry that we saw in the fourth quarter yesterday for the entirety of the series. I don't expect that we're going to see Jimmy Butler play over 43 minutes for the rest of the games in this series. 
I, I just don't see those things happening. So if those things aren't going to happen, the Miami Heat have no shot. The Tyler Hero injury looms large because they don't have anybody else that they can turn to for instant offense. They just don't. Who's the guy that can create outside of Jimmy and outside of Kyle? Nobody. I'll let you know when I see the guy. Nobody. Now, Gabe Vincent is a dog. I love the way that he, he attacks and the way he plays, but he's not creating offense for other no. people, and he's not going to dictate to the, to the defense. So I just – they don't have enough, and I think at some point the Knicks will overwhelm them with that. But make no mistake about it. The Heat are going to take their pound of flesh. I said this about them in that Bucks series. I didn't think that the Bucks would lose, but I guess the Giannis injury took care of that. But the, the Heat are going to be a tough out for the Knicks. I don't expect that this is, is going this a to seven be game series? a short series. Yeah, this is a, this is a long series. I don't know about seven, but it's certainly going to go at least six. So I, I, I will say that um, a lot of it's going to depend on Jimmy Butler's health. But the, the thing that was the telltale yesterday was the Heat being able to get stops and being able to create turnovers and score off of turnovers. Yesterday, the Heat had 22 points off of 13 Nick turnovers, and the fact that the Knicks were absolutely atrocious with their perimeter shooting is what laid the groundwork for Miami to come into the Garden and steal game one. The Knicks, count them, Carlin, were 7 of 34 from the three-point line yesterday. 7 of 34. I mean, at one point I was just saying, why go out there and guard R.J. Barrett? He's a self-check. You ain't yeah. got to worry about R.J. Barrett shooting no threes. Let no. him shoot. He with just us, don't cause. let him drive in the lane. He with us. Like, if you're Miami, he with us, cuz. Let him shoot. Like, yep. like, as long as you don't let R.J. Barrett into the paint or get him to the foul line, you don't have to worry about him offensively. And when Jalen Brunson has an off game offensively, when he can't score the basketball in critical moments, the Knicks' offense is going to struggle. And I guess that's what Monica McNutt was alluding to when talking about the Julius Randle injury because Julius was that other guy that if Jalen Brunson can't get it going, that you could rely on. But because he's not healthy, you're not getting the best version of him. So I think that's what makes this series probably a little bit closer than a lot of folks would expect. It's the injury factors. Not only with Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, but you're talking about what the Knicks are dealing with with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Now, one last thing on this real quick. Even though he was struggling, I did think Tibbs waited too long to put uh, Brunson back in the game. Mm. Didn't, I think it was about five and a half minutes when he finally put him back in the game. I thought it was too – he's got to be in the game to me with eight minutes left. Yeah. you got to play the last eight minutes of the game. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to. No reason. Yeah. Canty and Carlin. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I can't push back on that. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio Tuesday, Knicks Heat Game 2, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations and Sirius XM Channel 80. The Warriors advance a decisive Game 7 win and bring on the Lakers in Round 2. It'll be a tough series, but that's what you expect as you move forward in the playoffs. But we're going up against a very good team. Played them a couple times, I think, since the trade, and they look extremely different. we got a young ball club with not much experience in the postseason. So as hard as this series felt and as hard as this series was, it gets even harder when you move a level up, and it gets harder and harder. So they understood that, and they'll be ready for it. You know, it's amazing that we have only seen Steph and LeBron square off one other time in the postseason, unless you're counting a play-in game. It's the NBA Finals in 2016, and that's it. And it's amazing that that's the case. And, and so when I think about all the great rivalries that we've had in sports, 
That's probably why I haven't put it uh, in that category. Mm. But I honestly got to think that when we now get to this point, that you have to consider this one of the great matchups that we have ever seen. This is going to be about as good as it gets. And yes, just automatically, even though there's not a massive history there between the two, it is a great, great rivalry. Well, it is a massive history because you're talking about them squaring off in four straight NBA finals. That matters, right? Like, I mean, so I think that's that's what everybody is looking at. You're talking about two all-time greats, two guys that are clearly within the top ten with the run that Steph has been on the last couple of years. Winning the NBA Finals MVP last year I thought was huge in terms of Steph's overall legacy and how he's perceived because he goes from being known as the greatest shooter of all time to a guy that's firmly entrenched within that top ten. Now, where he ultimately lands will depend on what he does you know, from here through the rest of his career. But I think this postseason will go a long ways to determining exactly how we feel about Steph. But I also think there's some runway for LeBron James to get a little bit closer to Michael Jordan, as crazy as that sounds. I get that everybody is saying that Braun is the second best player of all time and Michael Jordan is number one and, and that's just what it's going to be and that's how it's going to end. But just consider this. You're talking about LeBron in his age 38 season, his 20th year in the NBA, being on a title contender. There's a chance that LeBron James can win a championship. And if he does that in his 20th season in the NBA, what other player could you point to that we could say has had that kind of success as a focal point on their team holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy? I know Kareem did it late in his career, but at that point it was Magic's team, and I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm, 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 you know, I'm well-versed in the history of the franchise. If LeBron is able to finish the drill, get past the Warriors, get to the NBA Finals, and win a championship, I do think it inches him a little bit closer to Michael Jordan. While I will admit there's more to be gained for Steph, I don't think LeBron James' legacy is etched in stone already. I think he's still building on that. And winning another title and having five rings, especially getting a ring in his 20th season, goes a long ways in terms of how we're going to perceive him, not just now, but in the history of the game once we get a little bit further removed from his playing days. Listen, I, I don't think that there's any doubt about where LeBron... Do you think that this ultimately makes a huge difference for LeBron? I, I'm, I will say it this way, big fella. Winning multiple championships at multiple franchises and then, oh, by the way, exercising the demons and winning a pro sports championship in the city of Cleveland, where he's from. I mean, listen, man, very rarely does somebody come into a sport with the kind of expectations that Braun did and find a way to exceed those damn expectations. That, that's where we're at with LeBron James. We're running out of accolades to heap on top of LeBron James. Nobody has done it at a higher level for longer than LeBron James. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. If he wins a championship this year, you're comparing it to greats in other sports because there isn't an NBA equivalent. That's got to count for something. I mean, if LeBron James wins a championship at 38 years old, you're comparing it to what Tom Brady did in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like that, That's who you have to compare it to. Who else is there to compare it to? I mean, are you comparing it to Gretzky? I mean, I guess I guess you could go there. 
I, but, but I mean, you, there's nobody else in sports you can compare it to, which is what makes it exceptional. Yeah, that's that's why I think he does have an opportunity to get closer to MJ. Now I'm an MJ over LeBron guy, but even I would have to admit, damn guys, we're seeing something we've never seen before. Appreciate the greatness and stop trying to minimize Bron by keeping him locked into that number two spot. It becomes a more legitimate conversation. Braun or MJ, if he's able to get a championship this season. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I misspoke earlier, by the way. My mistake on the uh, – got it confused in my that's head about right. Warriors-Cavs. That's, that's all but right. But I would say that um, when I look at – I think Steph has done more with days like yesterday. I think Steve Kerr's right when he says that we take him for granted. I, I think we do. And we've always put him in that conversation of – being, um, he, he certainly is the greatest shooter of all time. I don't think no anybody doubt. would dispute that. No doubt. But nobody's ever really put him in the top ten, let alone the top five. And if he's not in the top five, which I could see why you would make that argument, he's certainly right there. He, he's got to be right there at this point, doesn't he? I mean, it, I get it being Brady Manning. I, I understand that. I I think with legacy... If Steph's going to do this and he's going to win a fifth, I mean, that's that's freaking off the charts to me. Okay, so I'll give you my top five and you tell me who you're taking out, okay? Here, yeah. Here's my top five. It's Jordan, it's Braun, it's Kareem, it's Magic, it's Kobe. I guess you would say you would challenge, yeah. he would challenge Kobe, but I... I don't know, big fella. Like, I just, it's hard to do right now. Kobe's got five if he's about to get his fifth, right? Yeah, I, I don't if know. He, if he probably. wins it this year. I, so he's probably just on the outside looking in. But here's the yeah. point. The, the fact that we can even talk about that, the conversation, for me it ever, hasn't ever really been there before. Or at least I didn't want to put it there before, before yesterday. Yeah. Sure. Like yesterday did a lot for me in that regard. Even though it's against a not a great defensive team, it, it did a lot for me. I don't know why it is, Canty that I have never mentally treated these two like it's Brady Manning. I don't know why that is. Yeah, I'm not sure why you would, wouldn't treat them the same either. I guess because for the majority of their careers and the majority, in the heart of their primes, they've been in different conferences, and, and Brady and Manning were in the same conference. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's that level of rivalry. And, you know, I, I think this this latest installment will go a long ways to – um, you know, you know, determining where both of those guys will finish in the pantheon of the greatest of all time. Now, here's the deal. If Steph is able to beat Braun and win back-to-back championships and, dare I say, back-to-back finals MVPs, then, yeah, I think, I think it does become the conversation of is Steph top five of all time. Like, right now, I got him in the top ten, but think about the other people that are paying rent in the top ten. I mean, you're talking about – Larry Burrs of the world, Tim Duncan. I mean, there are some, some, some really, really great players. I just, you know, you, you wonder, you know, if Steph can, you know, if you can definitively say he's eclipsed all of those players and put himself in the top five. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that's what makes this series so compelling, so exciting. And the contrasting styles is, uh, is what, what's going to make it, a hell of a show in terms of the entertainment value that we're going to get in the Western Conference semis. 
Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Speaking of rivalries, speaking of Game 7s, we've got one tonight. And a pretty good rivalry. And a guy that's been a part of it joins us next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Series XM, Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. This time of year really gets down to the technical side. Uh, everybody expects to play with emotion, but in games, in these elimination games, and when you're trying to eliminate a team, and uh, the game gets very technical, and it's who can really play the game at a high level, um, Uh, in a a technical manner, uh, is going to win the game, obviously. Oh, that's great music. Awesome music. It means Game 7 on ESPN. That's what it means. Rangers-Devils tonight. That was Mark Messier, ESPN NHL analyst on the Michael K. Show on 98.7 ESPN in New York earlier. We've got P.K. Subban to break it all down for us for this Game 7 tonight. ESPN NHL analyst. He played for the Devils. He knows all about the Rangers-Devils rivalry. P.K., Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, ESPN Radio. We appreciate the time. And just break it down as simple for me. When I say the words Game 7 to you, what are the things that immediately come to your mind as a competitor? Well, first of all, it's uh, sudden death. It's it's win or go home. So, you know, this is this is what you fight for all year. For the Devils, you know, they fought for play uh, for home ice all season. They got it. They need it now. Uh, I think that this is really going to help this team tonight, playing on home ice, feeling comfortable, 
You know, I, I think that this is a really pivotal moment for this young Devils team. They've gained so much experience. But Game 7, it doesn't get any bigger than this, and it should be an amazing game. Maybe the game of the playoffs so far, when you think about the Rangers and what they've done to that roster over the course of the year to bolster their lineup, this is what you do it for for these moments. So uh, I can't wait to see this game. And I wanted to ask you about that, PK, because the Rangers are the team that everybody's been pointing to for the last several years and saying, you know, they're going to have their breakthrough. They're going to win and compete for a championship. They're going to win a cup and then compete for more cups. This was supposed to be a dynastic run, but it hadn't really worked out that way, even going back to the, the days with Coach Quinn. And now you've got Gerard Gallant. How much pressure is on these Rangers with, uh, with all of these guys, with Chris Kreider and Artemi Pernarin? How much pressure is on them to deliver in Game 7 and advance to the semis? Oh, a lot of pressure. I don't think the pressure gets any bigger than this. I, I mean, as a player, you want to see your management, you want to see the ownership commit to putting a championship team and a competitive team on the ice every single year. Well, they've taken that a step further. When you could acquire a guy like Patrick Kane and a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, who has had an amazing playoffs for the Rangers so far, and I said it when that trade happened, I said, that's the piece. Tarasenko, he's going to get the favorable matchups. But when you think about what the Rangers did and the players that they brought in, they went all in. Management went all in. The ownership group went all in. And not, you don't see that every year from teams. You know, in New York, they're, you got to win in New York. You play for the Rangers, you play for any New York team, you got to win. And they showed the commitment to, to building a winning program. So there's a ton of pressure on this team. For that core group of players with Mika Zabinijad, Panarin, Kreider, those guys that have been there for, for a couple of years, are we going to see that core group change, you know, if they're outfitted in the first round by the New Jersey Devils? Even though New Jersey was hiring the standings, this, this is a game that the New York Rangers must win. You, you know, for them to be out in the first round would be a similar disappointment to what Boston had to witness last night. Talking with ESPN NHL analyst P.K. Subban on Canty and Carlin. And let's get into that, P.K., because you brought it up. I, I I know it's still fresh for the folks in Boston. They probably don't want to hear this. But for a team to, to set the record for regular season wins, 65, and win the President's Trophy with the most points, just just put into words the gravity uh, of the level of disappointment because Patrice Bergeron had tears in his eyes at the end when he's hugging Marchand at the end, and you just wonder, is it the end of the road for Bergeron and is it the end of the road for the Boston Bruins as we know them? Well, you know what? I've been there. Um, knowing that it's your last go, and for Patrice Bergeron, he's had a Hall of Fame career to date. I can't say enough good things about that 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 hockey player, and and more so as a person, and what he's meant to the organization of the Boston Bruins, and really the NHL. That's how important Patrice Bergeron is. When it's all said and done, I think he'll be recognized as one of the best leaders to ever play the game. So you know, to to think about that, the commitment and the dedication that he's given to the game, uh, to the Boston Bruins. Uh, goes without question. So to be in a situation where it could be all over for him, um, you know, may, did he play his last game? I don't know. And the, the bigger question, where do the Boston Bruins go from here? You know, this is this is a, a big, big, big loss for them in terms of losing out in the first round. This was supposed to be a team that was going to contend for the Stanley Cup this year and possibly even for years to come. So I don't see them blowing this ship up. I think that 
Uh, there's a lot to think about, obviously. I think everyone's got to take a pause. They had such a long season, and I think they will do that. They'll take a pause in the offseason to see where David Krejci's head's at, to see where Patrice Bergeron's head's at. But, you know, make no doubt about it. They got a lot of good players there and young players. So um, I don't think this is the last that we've seen of the Boston Bruins. I think they'll be back next year, but this is definitely a, a gut check, big time for them. P.K. Subban, ESPN NHL analyst, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I mean, 65 wins, and they and they blow a 3-1 lead. That mm. is mm. that is mm. tough to take. P.K., all right, back to tonight for a second. Uh, give me the key guy for each of these teams, Ranger, Rangers and Devils, uh, that you're going to be keeping an eye on. Well, key guy for sure for the Rangers is Igor Shesterkin. Without him in this game, um, I, I think they're in trouble. He he has been probably the best player on this team for the past couple of years, and that says a lot with some of the individual play that we've seen out of the New York Rangers, especially in the playoffs over the past couple of years. So that's how good this guy is. And with Tampa Bay losing out in the first round, you know, is it time to now you know anoint him the best goaltender in the league because he's been right there the past few seasons, and he's he's been that great this series. I think it was a nine. Three eight save percentage uh, before Game Six, which was remarkable considering how much the Rangers have struggled over the past three games with the Devils. So he's he's their best player. He's going to have to be their best player tonight. And for the Devils, uh, you know, for me, it's it's Jack Hughes. But you know, Jack Hughes, I said it earlier. I said it on my Instagram. I said it in a couple of the uh, interviews that I did after Games Three and Four. I went and watched him play at MSG. I watched him play uh, game six in New Jersey. He was, he was remarkable. Sorry, uh, game six in New York. I, he was remarkable. He was uh, literally, I said it, he was tap dancing all over MSG, up and down Broadway. And it doesn't matter where he plays right now, whether it's at home or away. It doesn't matter whether it's even strength or on the power play. He's a constant threat. And he's the only player on New Jersey that I've seen throughout this series that when he's on the ice, the Rangers know they got to pay special attention to him, and he's still getting his look. So he's a player that I know he lives for this moment. I know he's excited for it. As a young player, you'd expect him to be tentative. He, he wants to rise to the occasion, and I would say that he would be the player to watch. But the key for the Devils is going to be their attack as a five-man unit in the defensive zone and offensive zone, they have to play with team speed and check and attack the Rangers all over the ice. When they play fast, they can beat anyone in the league. P.K. Subban, ESPN. And P.K. Jack has been on an absolute heater 12 points in the last 10 games. But really quickly, the Tampa Bay Lightning finally exercising the demons and getting out of the first round. I mean, not the Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs exercising the demons that yep. are the Tampa Bay Lightning and getting out of the first round. How big is it for Jonathan Tavares and uh, Austin Matthews to be able to get out of the first round after having six disappointments in the first round for six straight postseasons? Well, I, I can't – I, I got to start off by saying I can't tell you probably enough how much this means to the city of Toronto, the GTA, and Leaf Nation across the world. This is this is a big deal for this for this fan club because you know it's been painful. It's been painful for Leaf fans, and they should celebrate this. This is a different team than the team that we've seen ousted every year in the first round, 
and it took a lot. You know, them picking up uh, Ryan O'Reilly was a huge trade, but let's go back to them getting Tavares and Nylander and Mitch Marner, and they got Austin Matthews. They, the, 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 the Toronto Maple Leafs might have the most depth offensively out of any team in the NHL, and that includes the Rangers. The Rangers got great players, but I got to say, Toronto's so deep up front you know, it's not a stretch to say that the Toronto Maple Leafs can get to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, for Leafs Nation right now, this this should be an exciting moment because I don't think they're just done here. They're getting a favorable matchup against the Florida Panthers, who everyone underestimated. I'm not underestimating them now, but I, I think that for Toronto, the sky's the limit in terms of what they can do. And hopefully that this win of this series, them getting over the hump, you know, it, it really juvenates this fan base and this team to, to drive and go as far as they can because uh, the way they're getting goaltending right now, anything's possible. Puck drops tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Rangers, Devils, Game 7. P.K. Subban, ESPN NHL analyst. Awesome stuff. Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, Canty is going to have your bottom five moments from the draft in just a little bit. But up next, which team has the best shot in the NFL to go from worst to first in their division? Canty's answer, I'm not going to lie, it's surprising. And it's next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. and Carlin, the podcast. There's always one, at least one in contention. So who's it going to be this year, especially in the NFL, the way things came out over the weekend? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, who's going to be that one team that goes from worst to first in their division? We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Canty, you want to go first on this? Because... I really only have one true contender at it, but you think there are a few. Yeah, I think there are several teams that could make a case to go from worst to first. Let's start off with the team that has the second-best quarterback in the NFC. That would be the Chicago Bears. I mean, <laughs> with Justin Fields, they, they, they're a pretty good contender to go from worst to first. That revamped defense, they added a lot of draft capital on that side of the ball, not to mention Tremaine Edmonds, who's going to step in from Buffalo and fill that void that was left with Roquan Smith. But – They've got a lot of pieces to like. Jalen Johnson, their corner, who's a young and up-and-comer. A lot of people don't know his name, but they will after this year. And then, of course, Eddie Jackson, they're all, all, um, they're all, they're, they're pro bowl safety. I mean, there's a lot to like 
with the Chicago Bears, not to mention what they did on the offensive side of the ball for Justin Fields, adding Darnell Wright, a, a right tackle for them to go along with their um, second-year right tackle in Braxton Jones, and then trading for D.J. Moore, a true number one wide receiver, to go along with Darnell Moody, Cole Komet, and uh, Chase Claypool. They, they've got a lot of pieces that are going to allow them to contend not only for their division, but they're going to be a team that can vie for a deep playoff run in the NFC. So I like the Chicago Bears. I think you can make a case for the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson shaking off the rust in that running game. I think that that could be a team that can make some noise in the AFC North. The Denver Broncos, now that they've added Sean Payton and they've upgraded the offensive line. But big fella, if I had to pick one team that I am confident in has a really good chance to go from worst to first, I'm going with, you guessed it, the Houston Texans. Wow. The Houston Texans. So I know you were expecting the curveball or that team that just got Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going with the Houston Texans, and here's why. The AFC South is a relatively low bar to clear. And when you look at what's going on in Jacksonville, albeit a lot to like, one of the areas that I'm concerned with that team is on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And and that offensive line took another hit over the weekend with a pending PED suspension of Cam Robinson. Jawan Taylor walked away in free agency. You saw that the Jacksonville Jaguars reached a little bit in round one in drafting Anton Harrison from in the first round from Oklahoma. I didn't have a first-round grade on him. Most people didn't. So I, I'm curious to see how that works out. But I think the Houston Texans, as far as they're concerned with the offensive line, they've got the best offensive line in the division. They've got some skill position players around C.J. Stroud. And their defense has some pieces with Jerry Hughes now being paired with Will Anderson on defensive line. I, I'm just, I'm just going to go out here on a limb and say it. The Houston Texans, my worst of first candidate in 2023. Wow. I, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. I'm going to make this short and sweet. The New York Jets. I, I honestly look at this, and uh, there's one big question favoring uh, facing that team. Who is going to be the left tackle on opening day? They need to get that straightened out. But I, I think the Jets have the best opportunity to go from worst to first when you look across football, just given what their defense is, and they have a quarterback. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.